Hello and welcome to another edition of What Are You Frightened For? And we're going to talk about some films we saw at Fantasia this week. My name is Johnny Suck. I'm Louise Burns. And to start, we're going to look at King Cohen, The Wild World of Filmmaker Larry Cohen. Uh, Larry Cohen documentary was directed by Steve Mitchell, and Larry Cohen was presented a Lifetime Achievement Award at this year's Fantasia Festival. And also in the theater was one of the actors he's worked with frequently, uh, Michael Moriarty. So it was a really great opportunity to look at the work of Larry Cohen and um, meet these people. If you don't know Larry Cohen, he directed a lot of films, largely in the 70s, including It's Alive, Black Caesar, Cue the Winged Serpent. The most recent one people might know is the phone booth one. Uh, Larry Cohen started at the young age of 17. He, as a youth, would sit in the movie theater and watch uh, three films in a row until they throw them out and say go home. And so he was very passionate about film, and he just started to write screenplays, and he figured if he submitted enough of them, eventually one of them would stick. And he is, to this day, still writing every day and has little yellow post-it notes of another pitch. He was introduced saying that his films are actually quite political and that in a lot of the subcontext, he's trying to speak truth to power. So it... And it also plays out in the way that he made the films because a lot of the times he was both writer, director, and producer, and much of the footage is what's referred to as stolen shots, which was the most exciting thing to listen to. He grew up in New York, and a lot of it is filmed in New York, and he would not ask for permission, which post 9-11 you would get arrested and <laughs> cause a lot. One example they give was showing up at a police parade and filming hundreds or thousands of police officers. And sticking Andy Kaufman in a police uniform and starting to film around that. And there's also Fred Williamson who is a, um, a large, I mean very buff black actor who they're doing a film of where he does a robbery of a jewelry store and they actually use the jewelry store and they have the cameras up on buildings sort of looking down. So the reaction shots of the crowd is all very real. And the pivotal of this one is in Q, which was on top of the Chrysler building. And the Chrysler building at the time was going under renovations. So the cheapest, because most of these films are done with very little, very little money. So he would hire off-duty cops who already had the uniforms, and then they're doing gunfire, and they're all blanks. But people who are in New York City don't know, and it's causing absolute mayhem. And Larry Cohen's reaction to this was, "Film it, film it!" Of course, and he never got fined or arrested for any of this. But that's it, actually pretty amazing. It is. It is incredibly amazing. It's in, it's amazing that someone had the nerve to do it and that they also had the ability to convince other people to go along and he hired for the most part he would do research in terms of respected quality actors and he'd look to do some research to see who hadn't been working who needed to pay the rent and so he would dig up these people and 
offer them jobs. He also said that he didn't believe in the term black exploitation, even though a lot of his films are coined that because he felt like in that case, anybody who works in the film is, is exploited and uh, he was offering an opportunity for people to get paid. He also said that he believed absolutely adamantly in not planning. He says things never go the way they're supposed to anyway. And if you haven't got the capacity to think on your feet, then you ruined your film. And he would do things like Michael Moriarty also uh, spoke of this in Q. Michael Moriarty is a, a, is a jazz pianist and singer. In fact, he's retired from films, but he's actually writing an opera right now. And when Larry Cohen discovered this, he spontaneously, right there and then, would write a scene that would include a scene at a bar in a jazz club with Michael Moriarty. So he always was sort of very spontaneous about the making of the film as well, which is completely unheard of. You find it comes across in his films when you watch them? Definitely. There is something, it's hard to understand if it's a reflection of the times or if it's a reflection of the process. The performances are really passionate and a lot of the conversation that Michael Moriarty was saying was about how much freedom, like Larry Cohen doesn't direct people, he just is, he just works, writes in what he sees coming from the actor, like develops it that way. And so, I mean, I guess another thing that I thought about was how, I don't know if it's a reflection of our times or whatever, but how impossible it is to make films like that. And he, he said that, you needed to demonstrate authority and confidence and kind of question whether the collective process undermines that. You know, somebody taking the lead and just convincing people to go along with this incredibly often ridiculous scenario that underneath it has a deeper message. Let's face it, anybody will put up with anything if they think a movie's being shot. And he also didn't cheat on um, certain things like uh, a tie-in to a film that you'll be talking about is that he used Bernard Herrmann's uh, to, to score a lot of the music to some of his films and, you know, did things in terms of, you know, getting Rick Baker, who's a famous um, uh, special effects person, to sort of like make the baby in It's Alive and Rick Baker didn't think it was going to ever be on screen. It was just supposed to be something so, so that the actors had something to play off of. And then he just uses it and develops it. So he's always willing to uh, present the impossible and then make the impossible possible. So he's, he's very inspiring in that way. He's a character that exudes confidence and compassion. There's shots within um, that documentary that show him at a Comic-Con equivalent you know, sitting there to sign autographs, like being accessible to people. His films are totally um, not critic darlings, but people love them. At the screening, there was, I guess, a long Q&A afterwards? Yep. They presented a few clips of um, Larry Cohen's films, and then they brought up and presented him the award, then they showed the documentary, and then they did a Q&A. So it was a very kind of... Big event. A big event, and a lot of love in that crowd. So it sounds like a pretty big contrast compared to the next documentary we're going to talk about, which is 7852, mm -hmm. which is all about 
the shower scene in Psycho and about how Hitchcock directed it. And so going from Cohen's seat of his pants, mix it up as you go along. Unplanned. Unplanned. 752 looks at Psycho in like minute detail in all sorts of ways and just analyzes completely this you know one minute scene of a film and about everything that Hitchcock did to set it up in the film, everything was planned, all the different shots, how they're designed, and talk to other directors, they talk to actors, they talk to sound engineers, you know, everyone's different take on all the different things that were put into the scene. So there's foreshadowing other parts in Psycho. There's a part where they show a painting on the wall that Norman Bates, he takes off the painting to look through the peephole mm -hmm. into the shower. And that painting is a very particular, specific painting, which is about voyeurism, mm. a painting that represents a story, and there's many different paintings that represent that story. But it was this particular painting, that version of, of the story that was chosen for this film. And so it's pretty much just an hour and a half of detailed analysis. Uh, talking heads? Mostly. And there's points, you know, where they, they go through the scene and show, okay, how does it start? You know, there are type of limitations and showing, you know, the shower scene is probably show, shown 20 times. Uh, you know, different points. In the documentary. In the documentary, just as they, okay, now let's talk about the sound and how the sound kicks in. Mm. Okay, now let's talk about how the actors were shown. Now let's talk about how the cuts were done. Is it all on a technical level and not on a, do they talk about like, a psychological or a sensor board or uh, those kind of situations or the morales or the tolerance level of the time? Yeah, it's, they look at everything. They look mm. at things like, they looked at the culture in America and what the environment of the movie was. They looked at how the marketing for the movie, it was very strict that everyone had to be on time and no people would be admitted late mm -hmm. because well, the star of the film gets killed off right. really early on, so Hitchcock didn't want people showing up late and then wondering, well, when she's coming on screen. Mm -hmm. And so I think for any Hitchcock fan or any film fan, it's definitely worth checking out. Comparing uh, Cohen and Hitchcock, Cohen is like, Cohen is New York, and the working class, uh, seat of your pants, hustle, and whereas Hitchcock is uh, an intellectual, a um, auteur, a suit and tie, but also um, the Cohen Lifetime Achievement Award was apt for uh, presentation at Fantasia because Fantasia is sort of like a very much the, the festival of people and unpretentious, and both of those um, documentaries really embrace and have a lot of passion for the craft you know and it's really great to sort of see that I mean just one other film that I saw that I'm just going to throw in really quickly because it, it doesn't um, it ties with the craft is this film called Junkhead which is a stop motion animation film which started as a half an hour film uh, that largely is made I mean it is exclusively made by one person Takahati Hori, and the 30 minutes took him four years. <laughs> so you can imagine what a feature film, how long that would have taken him. It's just been released. It is a total passion project. The 
person had a full-time job, so he did it in the evenings and on weekends. And during the title sequence, they show you a little bit of the making of. But just to say that this is something that Fantasia totally embraces, is that as these, these artists whose imagination and dedication and passion is really evident on the screen, even though they get no distribution. Uh, Junkhead, you know if it has any plans to be released? Or it's from Japan, so we'll probably never see it anywhere around here. I doubt we will see it, actually. Even though it's quite accessible and really great, and I'm sure it's going to get a great, um, a lot of buzz amongst people who are very passionate about these things. And as you, you know, you can imagine, stop motion animation is the most painstaking <laughs> process. And it's quite elaborate. For 7852, it's playing again this afternoon at 1 p.m. So yeah, I recommend people go out and check that. So now, Junkhead, 7852, and King Cohen. Mm -hmm. What's the common theme that plays into fear? Um, I think all of them, the fear is restrictions, and I think uh, creative control. Like, that was the that was the conversation that was repeatedly having in the documentary and is completely evident in a stop motion, you know. So it's almost a different kind of collaboration. It's, it's definitely outside of the studio. And I think even the Hitchcock operated, he was in a studio, but he was always fighting against it. Yeah, it was very much his project and, you know, the movie cycle exists for that scene and they talk about how a lot of his career was building up to filming that one scene, mm -hmm. even foreshadowing it in other previous movies he had made and how that was kind of his goal. And I think the other thing is, is in uh, all of these films, fear is just delightful. Like there's, there, fear and laughter are really close together in the sense of you're afraid, you scream and then you laugh, you know? It's just a real positive, response to fear. Cohen's films, as well as Junkhead and, and definitely Hitchcock, love fear and see it as a good thing. And well, it builds up tension and then once, once it's released, then you come out mm -hmm. and then it's cathartic. And Cohen is much more in your face with that because they, some of the lines are very tongue in cheek. So they will have, you know, the monster on the screen but you'll laugh at it, <laughs> and the phone will ring. All right, so that's it for this week. Stay tuned to the Wednesday morning after, and come back next Wednesday when we'll be looking at another three or four films from Fantasia this week.